Hi there, this is Dan Delta Collins. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and also youtube.com slash wanderingdms. We hope you enjoy the show. everyone welcome to wandering dms i'm paul and i'm dan and today we've got the guys from one of our favorite sites nerdarchy we have dave and ted and doug and they're going to talk about their new product for fifth edition dnd mage forge now on kickstarter guys thank you so much for joining us today thanks, thanks, for, thanks for inviting us <laughs> i was completely distracted by your intro it's so cool <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> that is high. That is high praise. That's fantastic. I'll remind our viewers that uh, we on YouTube we do have super chat happening. So if the if the chat's going really fast and you need a question that you've got to get to the Nerdarchy guys, feel free to use the super chat and we'll be sure to get it to uh, Dave or Ted or Doug or whoever you're asking. Um, so uh, we had you know we had Doug on uh, a, a year back for I think what was your guys uh, first Kickstarter the out of the box encounters and and that went really well so I think the Mage Forge project is is your guys second Kickstarter I think and it's and it's going super well Thanks. it is yeah. it is number two it, it, yeah I, I guess we did that back in 2019 which feels like a lifetime ago at this point oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. A couple. <laughs> so, uh, so maybe Dave, tell us the the scope of the new product. So, so out of the box encounters was, I think, a hardcover book, if I recall. Uh, how how have you guys uh, uh, tweaked things for for Mage Forge? So, for you know, first of all, when we put out something, we want to put out something that's going to make the GM's life easier. And, you know, make, you know, running games easier. Like, that. that is just kind of what we've done with our Kickstarter starters so far. Um, you know, with Out of the Box, it was like, here's 55 encounters. You need something to do for a session, you know, and you haven't had time to prepare or whatever. Boom, here you go. Mage Forge is similar, but like in the sense of like, oh, I got to give my players some loot. I forgot to do that. Grab a card out of the deck. You can, you know, hand it to them. Um, but it's 250 cards. Uh, tower size cards because we wanted you know lots of space for cool you know, for cool art. We're spending a lot of money on art, so we want people to be able to really see it. And also, it gives you more room on the other side to uh, you know to to put text on there because a lot of people have asked us, "Is like, well, why did you decide to do tower tower size cards?" And you know, you look at a standard size deck, and it's like, well, you don't have a whole lot of room to work there. And they are across That's all nice. all rarity types. Uh, so, like, when you start getting up to the legendary and artifact, that's a lot of space. I mean, a, a bunch of the really powerful stuff, like, we don't even have space for the lore, even on the tarot size cards. Uh, so, like, that's, yeah. you know, got to be compact just to be able to get it in there. Yeah, so it, it's going to come in a box set, which will kind of, like, if you're familiar with, like, Uno, you know how they come in the double-sided, you know, stack. So it'll be a box like that. And we also want to box to kind of like look nice on your shelf as well awesome nice. what's the I, i'm curious what's the uh, uh why go with cards ultimately are, are you imagining randomization via shuffling or is it more for like the ability to pass them around the table uh or is it something else uh, a little bit you of know both. cards are just yeah cards are just a great play aid like you know you can just hold up the picture and be like this is what you see and then you know after they figure out and know what it does you can then hand them the card you know, so they have it in front of them, just easy reference, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you know, they don't have to like transcribe everything onto their character sheet. Just like, you know, when the play starts, the GM can just hand them their cards and they can just have it ready to use. Yeah. Awesome randomization. Oh, go ahead, Ted. And then from the randomization factor, like the DM, if you want to either, oh, after you've killed the thing, go ahead and just, you know, pull out random cards. Or you can kind of sort through them and be like, oh, well, I'm looking for this kind of rarity type, this type of item. You can just kind of fan through them and, and pre-pick your stuff, should you so desire, rather than having to leaf through a physical book or a PDF or what have you. It's all right there, and you can just kind of spread it out as you see. 
They're also color coded, yeah. so by rarity to make mm -hmm. it easy. So you're like, I don't want to hand out an artifact to my group, but you just look at the color and you'll know. <laughs> nice. Well, part of it is just like celebrating the fact that we love magic items too, the same way that Out of the Box was sort of like, we just love having like a collection of ideas for, you know, that isn't super codified for DMs. This is just sort of like, we love magic items. And part of the idea is like, a lot of them are consumable and things like that. So, and we just love cards. So, you know, I imagine I'd like to see them going back and forth at the table a lot. Um, you know, a lot of them have just like one-time effects or like I said, they're consumable. And we actually just made a free encounter that uh, is on our website and put in the update that sort of like plays into that. Um, somebody in a chat a few weeks ago was like, oh, is the Mage Forge itself an item? And we are like, yeah, sure, why not? Well, you know, that sounds like a cool idea. So we made it like a sentient artifact that you can sort of... Um, trade basically trade in magic items and recraft them and unforge them and like get quests to go out and make new magic items so kind of wanted to give something to like you know hey you got 250 magic items you know are you really going to use them all in your campaign well maybe you know if you keep trading them in and just buying you know breaking them down forging new things with them and using them nice nice you know paul and i are actually big fans of the card format we've actually uh produced two products ourselves uh one of which was uh paul's insanity cards which he's currently retooling to another format and one was our deck of spells which was a presentation of like original D, &D style spells in a deck nice. and you know like when doug was on the show we said we are fundamentally people of the book and looking at your guys backgrounds i i kind of feel like you're in the same camp and so I made a book version of, of the original D&D spells, and then Paul produced a card version. And my initial take was, well, obviously people are going to prefer that my book is, is really a more <laughs> compact, you know, wizards are able to see any spell. And the ultimate result was all the players preferred Paul's cards. It was basically unanimous that cards were the preferred way to play with them. So I got I to gotta take my hat off. It's a, it's a great... Uh, it, it's a great mechanism, and in particular, if someone has it and wants to give it to another character, you just physically do that at the table, and it's, it's a really wonderful way to do that. Yeah, even it, whether it's a reward, like a magic item, or even, you know, like some condition, it just feels different, like you're getting something. You know, even if it isn't yeah. that treasure, it's like, I have this thing that's like, my character's unique now because I have this character and, with me. And, and, I, and I know Doug has said it, but I'll, I'll reiterate, the fact of handing it over and not needing to, I need to take notes on this right now. You can stay engrossed in the game by like, oh, well, even if I don't need to hold, even even if I don't get to keep the card forever, I can tra transcribe this when the DM says, okay, this is where we're going to stop for now. And then now I can take my notes or take it in between, you know, uh, sessions and then be able to hand that card back if need be. <coughs> Excuse me. But some DMs would just look, hold on to it for the breath of the game or while you have it, and then you just, you know, you put it back in the box. I know a lot of uh, a lot of players play at the same location. So, like, you know, whether you're storing, you know, game props or whatever have you, it can all be kept in one location and then kind of, like, rehand it out, you know, as you see fit. However you want to play it at your particular game. It's just easier to really reference something like that as well. Like, you know, I can books see are great when you're not playing. Yeah. And I can particularly see it mm -hmm. if it's if it's a new, right, if, it, if like a magic item is brand new content and the player, like at least with spells, potentially the wizard should know about it before the game starts. But if it's brand new and it pops up in the game for the first time, obviously you don't want to shove a, the DM's guide over the player's side to read it. That's particularly for a new item. That's really kind of the ideal way to do that. It's very smart. A lot of them uh, sort of, uh, I guess, uh, maybe it's like a subtle trick of ours, though, um, is hopefully it like inspires players to maybe develop, you know, their own motivations and things, because not all of them, but a lot of them have just like little quirky tidbits of lore or like hint at other things. And so I think having that card as a reference too, it's just like, oh yeah, I want to look into this, you know, what, what does this mean? Like this little phrase or, you know, this reference to some historical event or whatever. And, you know, they're not super fleshed out, but hopefully that'll give DMs ideas too of like looking through these cards, like, 
that sounds like it could be a cool adventure. You know, there's something, some nugget in there for me to work with. Yeah, yeah like we've got snippets in there to grasp upon, but at the same time, it's a bit ambiguous enough that it could be, you know, anything in anybody's campaign. You know, magic items I really feel should have the capability of invoking quests either to go get it, to get more information about it, or you know, to find out where it came from. You know, if you've got something that's a lot of fun and interesting, then you know, it might wind up prompting a player to be like, All right, I need to know more. And, you know, as I said, like if if it's vague enough, the DM has room to really explore uniquely in their own setting their own world as opposed to like if we hard and fast concrete everything then it it shoehorns the dm to a position that they might not want to go yeah to that point too uh you know a, a ton of these items probably more than half are like right from our individual games or games that we've played together and so you know we sort of wanted to give them that same quality because even in our games, they weren't like super, you know, codified and like, this is the whole history of this thing. But the bits that we added into the items were those things from our games, you know, so like little character names or hints at other, other stuff. So, you know, it's subtle and, you know, it's probably just more fun for us, that quality to it, but I don't know. It was just, you know, thing yeah i mean i mean i feel like as a player i can always tell doug like i, I feel like those kinds of things that come out of actual play experiences are how richer and deeper you know i can i can, i feel like i can tell when something's been play tested rather than like made by fiat and i always feel like those kinds of products just feel richer to me all the time oh, yeah 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 for sure yeah, for sure that's uh sorry go on so one of the things is if one of the things is if you're a fan of nerdarchy and you've watched our various stream games you might find like some easter eggs in the deck from you know from those games because uh, there's definitely people that still talk about games that we've run years ago um and things that we i think we've forgotten mostly because uh, <laughs> we're old but uh but you know but the 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 deck will harken back to videos we've shot, streams we've done, and then of course, obviously, then there's like our games that we that we play privately. So that that's kind of like the fun thing too, is knowing that there's Easter eggs that some of like the diehard fans are going to latch on to it and, and find. And it's not even just our channel. About- I, uh, I play in a weekly game over on Mini Terrain Domain uh, streams on Twitch uh, and. You know, one of the items, uh, it's, the, it's an artifact, came from that game where my character actually wound up modifying an item that was just a family heirloom, not magical in any way. And like, I went on a, you know, kind of, kind of quest to be like, look, I want to make this better, not for my character, but for another character in the campaign. I wasn't expecting it to kind of get to the ridiculous proportions that the DM put it. But based on the checks and based on you know everyone's involvement, it's like, oh yeah, here's this utterly ridiculous item that you know my character's cousin now wields, and it's like, all right, this is awesome. Uh, and I had gotten permission from the DM to be like, hey, I really like this, and can we put this in our product? And he's like, dude, I'm all, I'm all about it. I would love to see this you know shine and show in, in this. Product. That's great. Awesome. Right. I mean, I think I think nothing nothing really fuels creativity in a DM. I think like hearing a player uh, actually describe you know goals and desires for something to happen in game. Right, like the moment mm-hmm. you get that engaged player who's excited about a thing, you're like, well, all right, time to double down. Let's let's <laughs> let's really push the gas. So that's you know to that point too. To to that point too, like it's important to us and just you know the way we like to play our games that. You know, most of these items, they're not just, like, they're good in combat and stuff. Like, even the weapons and things, you know, a lot of them have features that are just give players ways to engage with the world around them or just do something different that, you know, maybe it's not super powerful, but it's, like, it's just some quirk that maybe it'll prompt them to role play more or just engage with the surroundings more. So that's, like, a real important quality to us. And, of course, you know, you know and, let me ask... That, 
that being said, a lot of them are hella powerful too. <laughs> that's an interesting. It's an interesting point you bring up, Doug. So amusingly, when when Paul and I first met, we actually met um, at a computer game company uh, in Boston that was making collectible card games online. And we at, at one point we were actually pursuing the Magic the Gathering license. Came in number two. Came in second. Uh, which we confronted, we confronted Peter Atkinson about that last year on air. As a matter of fact, um, but and, and then went, eh, he's a good sport. Uh, but my my point is, for waiting and biding your time. You're like, finally, right? we've got yeah. him. Yeah, it was, <laughs> Twenty-two years later, I finally we finally confronted him. So viewers, feel free to go see that that episode after this one. Um, you guys are running the long feel- game on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're like um so we we've made games that were entirely you know so a number of games we've made it entirely about cards and what's the card content and what can you fit on them and what does the art look like and the during that design process there were sometimes when some of the people that were designing it were working on what's a thing that should exist in the world and how do we simulate that with our game mechanics and then at other times um, maybe at a later stage, we were like, well, what game mechanics can we support? And then how do you skin those game mechanics and what does it look like in the game? Where are your minds at most of the time these days when, maybe I'll ask Ted this, if you're going to make a new a new item, or do you start with like a thing that exists in the fantasy or do you start with, here's some new mechanics I want to see engaged in fifth edition? For me, it's a process of, you know, what is my inspiration for it? Uh, I I adore making magic items. I'm making them all the time. I could probably, if push came to shove, you know, do this, you know, infinitum. Uh, but there are there are times that I make magic items where I'm like, all right, I'm making an item for this particular character, so I want to give them something that either works towards or fits in the, the character's goals or the, the, the player playing that their goals. Uh, sometimes I, I approach it from a situation where, like you said, there's an interesting mechanic that pops into my head. And sometimes I've got an interesting NPC that I'm like, all right, I want to, I want to work with this and they might eventually kill this person. So what's something cool that they might have. So for me, all of them, just depending upon where I'm at at the time. Cool. Yep. Interesting. Dave, well, how would, what's your feeling about that? Are you more like what, what exists in the fantasy world? Or are you more about like, let's make new, new mechanics? I, I'm, you know, it's for me, it's about like narratively introducing the items into the game. So I am, I am just as likely to grant characters boons that change their characters permanently or enchant something spontaneously that they carry on them or give them something to enchant something on them or to upgrade an item they already have because like we've all been playing this game a long time right so we've all come across the character that fights with their grandfather's sword and it's special to them but it really sucks when then they find another sword that's magic and they're like sorry grandpa and that thing is like that thing is getting smelted down for scrap Right, so instead of doing that, yeah, yeah. I I rather see I would rather see Grandpa's sword remain special, right, and enchant that, you know, and have it come out in the story. Um, so so that's that's how I tend to think about magic items, or like I want them to lend to greater parts of the story. Matter of fact, even like the DMG has a great section for magic items where it's like modifying existing magic items. And I've made many new magic items just from yo know, taking existing ones and tweaking it through that table because by the time you're done, it, it may have some similarities to an existing magic item, but it's a completely new magic item and it also has an origin and history. And and when the players get it, like they have no idea what it is a lot of times just because you've you you've kind of reskinned something that's familiar to them and uh, you know described it in a different way. And all of a sudden, it's a lot more exciting. I mean, you can do the same thing with monsters, but in the DMG, they actually have a section for that to kind of show you how to do it. Interesting. 
I got to do more of that. Like I feel like, you know, I'm, I tend to be a little bit OCD. I, I'm sure you've never met anybody in the gaming industry that's like that, but I tend to be a little bit OCD. So I tend to be like, here's what the book is. Here's what it says. Here's what the magic items are supposed to be. And I kind of need to free myself up. So that's actually a really good thought, Dave, that I need to, I need to put in practice. Yeah, yeah. Go to the beginning section of the magic items on DMG and just take, take what you've already been doing and just apply that right to it. And, and, and you can still, you know, follow your OCD while following the rules because it's right in there. Nice. Nice. Thank you. That's, you know, what, what it's actually one of one of my favorite ways to to introduce magic items into my game and make them a little unique is to take an existing one and just just muck with the form factor. You don't even have to change yeah. any of the rules or any of the abilities, but just change kind of um, you know what 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 is the actual object. Um, and I, I have a, mm -hmm. a story about this that I that I've shared many times. I think probably on the stream already, but where I took a staff of healing, which is this you know doesn't have a specific number of charges, but everybody can use it once per day. And I had this feeling of like, well, it's kind of this communal thing. Everybody gets gathers around and use the staff of healing. So like, well, what if it's not a staff? What if it's a, a hookah? And uh, that really uh, changed, changed the tenor of the game when at the end of the mm -hmm. battle, everyone's like, great, get out the hookah, set it up. Let's uh, get some pillows. Let's relax. <laughs> I, I totally uh, know what you're talking about, Paul, because for me, a lot of magic item stuff uh, incorporates just like the visual element and something like that's a good example too because it's like well staff you know it's you know it's been around and you're not really think you know, you're just like I'll use the staff and it's like how are you using it? you know you know people don't really think too much about it because it's just been around and you just take it for granted yeah. but like something like that it just uh, is like well that that's something like everybody can imagine what it looks like and it's like a, an object that's relatable and maybe it just gives them like a, a, that one moment like I oh, remember that time when you know we found that magical hookah and like we you know <laughs> we all sat around the campfire and you know some they just engage with each other you know uh, the players yeah it definitely sounds that's like well a gateway magic item. <laughs> you know, I'm sort of a multi-hall DM. I love giving out magic items, and um, I look at it uh, differently than than Dave. Uh, not in a better or worse way, but I like giving players things that have nothing to do with any of their characters. Um, <laughs> it's, it's sort of like a little trick I've, I, I, like a go-to trick I've taught myself from doing it. Is more often than not, players like they'll start developing again like their own motivations of just like wanting to know more about it uh like one example there was a, it was just a plus one longsword that i put in the game but you could stick it in the ground and it would do like it would just create like a 10 foot radius of like wildflowers i don't even think they did anything it just that, that was oh. it. and nice. uh, like the player just loved it and he became like we you know he became known as like the the pedal knight and stuff like that because it, it just i don't know <laughs> like just stuff like that it didn't do anything yeah but they just yeah. wanted to know more about it and like sort of became like a staple of their character that they never intended or or i did either i just threw it in there because like eh, seems fun that's fantastic that's fantastic you know personally i'm i'm a huge fan of magic items that have a little bit of a monkey's paw effect to it where i want to give give my players something that's like mostly good but also this mm -hmm. one weird side effect which is maybe that's not funny. great but you know is kind of funny uh do you guys have anything like that in in the deck um i want to say yeah, we do. that might be deck number two <laughs> yeah yeah are there I any cursed items at all or are they all generally to... beneficial um Ted, you're kind of like our magic item czar. Is anything coming to mind? Yeah, no, I don't think I don't, I'm pretty sure we don't have anything cursed in there. Okay. I'm, I'm going I'm, 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 I'm yeah. to... I'm compelled to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely have plenty of things... Mode. Sorry. Uh, we definitely have plenty of things that I would say are more fun than they are useful. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, yes. like plushies of thunderous power. <laughs> Oh yeah, the plushies. Yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah what, plushies, okay. Explain the plushies. Power. What is that? <laughs> so basically, basically we have a an adventure called the Planar Zoo, and the idea is this: uh, extra-dimensional species go around collecting other things for their zoo, things that they consider less evolved, like you know, adventurers, you know, because you have the humanoid <laughs> habitat. 
So basically, it's like a zoo, and every zoo has a a um, um, gift shop. Uh, gift shop. Yeah, That's the word I'm looking for. Thanks. Uh, and of course, so you know, what else are we going to put in there but magical plushies that when you turn them on, they just like march around and do cute and cuddly things. <laughs> I mean, we've got figurines of wondrous power. We have finger. Uh, we have plushies of thunderous power. Yes, uh, yeah. so they're they're, they're, <laughs> they're amusing and. In the right hands, you know, you have a creative use. You can do something, you know, fun and interesting with it. Uh, we have a whole whole new item type called charms that essentially are one-use magic items, but they cover, you know, just about everything. Some things are cloaks, some things are coins. It could be, you know, whatever have you. And once you turn it on, it does one thing or is good for a certain breath of time. And after that, it becomes a non-magical object. Hmm. It's, it's a nice way to get a I little uh, variety in your magic items there without uh you know yeah. without overwhelming i mean i remember in my 5e campaign that became a big point I, I i think probably on this show at some point i went on a huge rant about um attunement and yeah. uh i've struggled with that a lot uh you, you guys have any 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 thoughts any pros cons on attunement or how much it shows up in your in your deck so for one, we definitely have some items that are matched items. So if you mm. if you you basically can attune to multiple magic items at the same time, it lets you kind of get around the rule. But they're they're specific sets, so you can't just use it with anything. Um, so again, like it might be a whole quest thing, like oh, I found this, and then you learn the lore, and there's you know you find out that it's part of a match set, you know, so you can go look for the other thing. Um, you know, I I I I feel what you're saying, and I've got mixed feelings about it because. You know, having played through all the editions where in, you know, first and second, it's like whatever you found, you found. Um, and then third, you had slots, right, if, where the gear would go. But also in third mm -hmm. third edition and Pathfinder, it just felt like sometimes my adventure could have stayed home and just sent his gear out. So, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> I, I feel like attunement in 5e is kind of like the balance. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of yeah, the, definitely... on the same, same boat. Uh, I know when I look at it. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Four four cursed items. Well there you go. Oh, thank, you. thank you. Well, I, I look at things with attunement and at first I was really, really against it because of like, oh well what about this and what about that? But it's also like it it's in the same vein of a you know, a spellcaster and concentration. It does kind of keep the reins in and really allow for the character and their abilities to shine. Whereas if you had all of these magic items, it would be like Dave says, I can just send my gear out. You know, they're going to handle everything because it's more about the stuff than about the me. And if you, if you don't worry about the attunement and you just like, all right, I'm going to find the best things that are out there. You know, it, it's, it takes the game where you're already like superheroes and turn you into like a guy. So I, that's not as much fun because you really have to get, you know, harder and harder foes, or you're not challenged. And where where's the fun in the game if you're not challenged? Mm -hmm. uh, but as far that. as the the goes, you know, things like charms and consumable objects, like those are things that you can hand out like candy. And you know, if oh this one encounter of this one thing winds up going a little bit easy, well, they're not going to do it again because the object is done and it's, it's used, it's consumed. So the next one, I'm like, okay, well, now what do you do when you encounter another one? Yeah, yeah I, I, I like that a lot. I mean, go ahead, Paul. I, I was just going to say, like, that's, I mean, I did totally did that experiment where it's like, I was grumpy about attunement. And if you just ditch it, that, yeah, the game goes off the rails very quickly. And, and, and as you say, like, it's just, it just, yeah, it's all about the gear and what's the point. So I definitely agree. It's, it's, it's a necessary kind of game balance mechanic. Um, but I don't know. I definitely, I think I view it these days as kind of a necessary evil in the, in the fifth edition rule set. Cause, um, I guess mostly what I rebel against is this idea that you just get complete knowledge by just, uh, having a little nap. You know, I miss, I miss the, the old school days of like, what do these boots do? I don't know. Put them on. I guess that's how we find mm -hmm. out. <laughs> well, well, we don't, we don't actually use that in our games. Okay. We make Sorry, them identify at the very least, um, for that. Yeah. 
you know, and, and obviously, you know, I've, that we're straying from the rules, but, you know, at our table, we just tend to, you know, you know, some, someone usually has a way to identify anyway. So it kind of gets figured out. But I would say too, like with the attunement thing is remember, it only takes a short rest to attune something. So mm-hmm. you could have a bunch of stuff and like, it was just like, well, what's going on, you know, tomorrow, should I, uh, attune to something di- different and kind of like the, you know, you have the Swiss army pack of magic items. You know, what you can do though, too, to still ground it in the rules. I mean, if, whether you take magic items out of the DMG or you're making them up is just make the attunement, something else like, you know, requires attunement by a character who has like bathed in the tears of a unicorn or whatever, you know, what just be like, and they could, they could spend that hour. Maybe, maybe after an hour, they know that, or if they identify it, they know that they have to do that. So it's like, yeah, you could, you know, it'll only take an hour, but you also have to do this thing. So that, you know, that's like, do they want to do that thing? They don't, then that's their choice. But if they do, it's like, okay, well now they're giving you, you know, the, the, fuel you need to make adventures for them. Interesting. You know, Would you consider something to, like that, Paul? Oh. Go ahead, Ted. No, okay. I said, and, and in regards to the, you know, not being able to, or being able to just know what it is after, uh, you know, I take a nap with it, I just examine it. You know, you can go to whatever breath of knowledge you really feel like. Uh, you can have it, you know, as, as per written, you can do what Dave was saying, where like, okay, you need the identified spell to know what it does. Or, like, you could really look at, you know, some of the earlier edition spells, like Analyzed Weomer, where, like, all right, Identify can tell you the base properties, but, you know, you, you really need powerful magic to really get into things that are very rare or legendary uh, to, to really know what this item truly has. Um, you know, like, the level of, you know, getting the, getting the information out of the item you know, can be wherever it is you really want, whatever fits your play style, whatever the, the players at the table are, are willing to accept. It, it's really open to however you want to have it at your table. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. <clears throat> okay, so I think I want a, a little bit more specifics about the Mage Forge project. So what I might do is I might go down the line here and ask, what is your favorite new item in Mage Forge that you can talk about? Maybe, maybe one that you wrote. Uh, Dave, what's your, what's your favorite single item in the Mage Forge pack? Uh, it's probably the Ring of Hork. Um, only because that was like the first adventure that I wrote to be published um, that we, we sold uh, on our website. And I've ran a bunch of times. Um, it's uh, you know, f- it's from uh, the Maze of Mandune, and it also alludes to something like more sinister and more creepy. It's this ring of three different metals that are intertwined, and they look like worms. Um, and it has a very deep connection with aberrations, um, and also has the ability to store spells in it as well. But you know, it comes preloaded with some really creepy ones, uh, and also like. You know, let you, you know, let you, uh, you know, um, communicate and understand deep speech, and it kind of like it doesn't have a curse per se to it, but it kind of like moves when you're not looking at it out of the corner of your eye. The worms kind of wriggle, and you know, you might hear like voices and stuff like that at the peripheral. So it's got a little bit of that monkey paw, but also like if you start delving into it, it's like, oh, where did this? come from and you know is something going to come looking what spells does it have what spells does it have exactly so so um i think we had to rework them because they were srd spells but but again like it started off as something like in one of my games right so um you know so it might have been like ever's black tentacles and uh what was the other one that's that's just called black tentacles yeah, yeah, black tentacles, right, right, right. and then then there's like a low level spell, right? Um, yeah, I'm looking at it. I think it has entangle black tentacles, and, and yeah, and the idea of like our, just creepy stuff. It's a it's on a our, long on entry. That's one of those ones that uh, the the additional secret info is in the little booklet. That's also ah oh part. oh well that's I oh I love that that and that solves that kind of solves Paul's issue about having like two at least two levels of knowledge that aren't immediate 
immediately up into the players. So on our competitive uh, tournament um, uh, D&D show from a, from a year back, The Big Bad, the, the, the Big Bad, the main villain that I was playing, was primarily worm-based and worshipped squirmy things underground, and we had purple worms in the area and stuff like that. Oh. Paul, why didn't... Why didn't my guy have that ring? <laughs> my guy had that ring. Paul? Didn't exist why did, yet. Why didn't I know Just, about this? I would have won. <laughs> what happened? We'll have to. Uh, we'll have to bring it back for season two. I want a redo. Yeah, I want that thing on a redo. Thank you, Dave. That, that ring of work is one of the ones. Uh, they don't all have this, but um, we sort of uh, incorporate a bit of four E. Uh, like lore checks uh, tables for some of the more complicated or, or lore heavy items. I don't know if you guys yeah. uh, uh, remember that, but you know, it was just like DC 10 arcana check, you know, this, if you get a 15, you know, you know, this and this sort of thing. So a few of the items have that. That's one of them. And Doug also kind of mentioned was, the booklet. Yeah. So, um, you know, when you get the box box set, you know, whenever you get like, you know, card games, whatever, they come with a rule book, right? Well, It'll have that, but like any of the any of the information we couldn't fit on the cards will be referenced there. And again, and again too, like you can put that extra tier of of information that the players may not, even if they know what it does, may not have access to. It would you know would go in there. Like those curses. I actually stuff. really love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Ted, what was what was what item? Uh, what unique item stands out to you in the Mage Forge? All right. Well, there there are tons of them. Uh, and it, it's going to change, you know, day to day, week to week. Uh, I, I've been kind of art directing for a lot of this. So for me, there's a lot of things that jump out as like, oh, well, I think the artist really nailed this aspect, whether it be, you know, they came up with a good idea or whether I'm like, hey, I want you to make this ring that looks like you've just carved it right out of the sky and slipped it on your finger. Uh, so there's a lot of things that I love from that perspective. Uh, if I had to say push come the shelves, the, the, the Gerta Brelne is the uh, legendary or artifact mall that is from the game that I play. But I think that's an easy, easy take. Uh, so I'm going to go in a, in a different direction. And I'm going to say the frog tongue shield because of the mechanic of literally it's like a shield that has a frog's face on it. And it has the ability to shoot out a tongue and actually like attach to somebody and, you know, pull them in. Uh, so, like, the mechanical aspects of that, I think, are just beautiful. So, yeah, I said multiple, but it was. <laughs> I like that. I like that shield idea. That is a that is a clever, and it kind of has, it kind of echoes just a little bit about, like, uh, using uh, Medusa's head on, on your shield mm -hmm. uh, to your advantage or something like that. That's really sharp. I like that a lot. Cool. Well, we have a, a, Doug, a, what is a decent number of frog-related things in, in this particular project. Just because there's a lot of oh, yeah. frog-related monsters in D and D. Uh, that, that's um, right. That that uh, that feels very D and D ish to me. That feels uh, very Dave Arneson type uh, uh, Temple of the Frog type uh, stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad. I'm glad to see you guys carrying the frog flag forward. <laughs> finally, oh, man, there's 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 so much frog stuff that. Uh, we could probably do a whole campaign setting of frog stuff. Um, as a matter of fact, that frog tongue shield when we were at D and D in a castle that uh, was prominently used in my campaign. Um, it does also does the, like if you fall fall more than ten feet, like the tongue will latch out and like pull you back up and stuff. It's crazy. Um, my favorite item. I mean, there's so many of them, but I'm gonna stick with what I've been saying. It is also a frog related thing. That's the croak cloak. Because I just love cloaks, for, first of all. The art is awesome because <laughs> when you put it on, it looks like sort of the Super Mario Brothers 3 frog suit look where the eyes are on tap. Nice. And while you're wearing it, uh, let's see. Um, you, your jump distances are tripled in height and length. And you can polymorph yourself into a frog or a giant frog uh, while retaining your intelligence, wisdom, and charisma uh, once per day, basically. And I just like the idea. There's so much frog stuff. I, I just like that's sort of one of my bucket list campaigns. Like I was trying to do like a total frog everything campaign with all the and and part of it is actually because Ted's daughter is just so adorable and she's super into frogs, and that's sort of like a, several things are inspired by her. So I just think that's kind of like a cute aspect to it that I get a kick out of as well. 
That's awesome. You know, speaking of, uh, we, we had an episode uh, a while back about cursed items and how there were a lot more of them, like in the first edition era. And uh, you guys know that in first edition, there was a, uh, in the core books, there was a, a cursed item called the, the Cloak of Poisonousness mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, from, you know, made, written by Gary Gygax. And if you put it on, you are just dead, no saving throw, yep. the end, that's it. And Paul <laughs> ran into that in a game. Paul was the victim of that in a game. And frankly, oh, Doug, man. when you said the croak cloak, that's the thing that actually popped up. <laughs> that should have been Paul, <laughs> right? The, the cloak of croaking. But uh, but I think your item is better. I think the players will probably appreciate your item more, frankly, Doug. <laughs> I, I would hope Wasn't so. that like a salt-encrusted brown leather cloak, the, the cloak of poison? I want to say it was described well, in the d and it well, it is now, Doug. In the future, that's how I will describe it. <laughs> I think it was, or maybe I'm thinking of the cloak of the manta ray or something. But I've always just cloaks are yeah. I'm just so. I think you're right. You know, it's like that. That just screams like fantasy to me. You got a magic cloak. <laughs> so, um, I, I wanted to ask you guys um, just uh, another sort of uh, mechanical question about about the the deck itself. Sure. Um, uh, we were talking before about about Dan and I are obviously big fans of physical objects at the table love the idea of passing around cards and whatnot i yearn for the day where i don't have to ask this question but um you know a lot of people are playing online these days because that's what we have to do uh how do you how do you see this product being used for folks who are playing via stuff like roll 20 or fantasy grounds or etc um well, it's do, funny you, uh, do you have anything yeah it's funny you should ask one there's a digital version which it's going to be a combination of print and play cards as well as a, a book. They're going to be putting a book, you know. Um, and then the other thing is everyone that gets from the $20 tier up will get access to claim the, the uh, VTD version on Shard. Great. Great. Um, Great. What, how, what, what does that entail, I guess? I don't, I don't know Shard, frankly. Uh, Shard is, just an, is another one of the VTTs that's kind of up and coming uh, they're one of the newer ones and uh you know they've been partnering with they've actually been partnering with a lot of different third party companies and um you know for that all you have to do is sign up for a free account over there i think and you know uh get the uh you know get, you know claim you know claim the um the mage forge over there we also have our out of the box encounters over there as well Great, and that's a great. There's point, a lot Dave. of VTTs now, <laughs> but that and that's a great point, Dave. Like more broadly, with uh, even people that play, you know, in person tend to just have a lot of digital products and things like that. And you know, with D and D especially, it's just like, well, I mean, there's no design. People have you know their characters on D and D Beyond and and whatnot. So having avenues for digital platforms for third party creators is is pretty important these days. And it's cool that Shard like reaches out to so many people, including us, to just offer those things awesome. there. They have a pretty cool, uh, like, I don't know if it's a, not really an affiliate system, but just kind of way they do it, so. Great, nice. cool. great, we'll definitely uh, have folks check that out. And it's, and it's good to now know that a there's, a, there's a method to use use these cards uh, online, which again, I, you know, yeah. frankly, yeah. I, yeah. I I hope that we can all sit around the table and pass cards around each other all the time. Use the actual so. cards, please. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, we now like I our group have gone. Oh. I was just going to say, our groups have gone back to in person for a while after we matched up I mean, all of our vaccination schedules. But then, like this month, we're doing you know a round of session zeros for new games we're playing, which all ended up being virtual again. As the Decepticons mm -hmm. ran through my household, household so <laughs> there's a lot of uh, chatter about attunement in the chat, um, and I, I was just a random thought I was thinking about when we were talking about it earlier. But attunement is sort of like um, warlock invocations, where it's not a, like a hard and fast rule, but um, if you look at it enough, you notice the things that affect other creatures are the things that like require attunement or uh, in the Warlock's case, um, like the things where you have to use your spell slot, you know, for the invocations and, and the things that are just like personal utility things, magic items are like that as well to a large extent, um, or that they have charges don't usually require attunement or using a spell slot. 
Because, like, well, if it has charges, who cares? It's just, like, sure, pass it around, still using up the charges of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but things that are, like, if it shoots a fireball, then it's going to, you know, nobody gets to do that for free. Interesting. So, Interesting. I don't know, just another quality of attunement to think about. Yeah, so I, so I presume, like, a lot of the, the, the charms you guys were talking about, I assume, don't require attunement. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a right. Assume that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, uh, when you, you, you when you use them, it's just I, uh, unless it says otherwise, it's just like for the next twenty four hours that affect you know affects you, mm-hmm. and they're all manner of like some of them are you know very rare where it's like you have invulnerability for twenty four hours or whatever, and you know, some of them are just like you know what the weather is like for twenty four. I don't know if that's exactly one, but they're mundane. <laughs> Paul, I kind of like this question in the chat from Allo Clark. I don't know if you can pull that up. On, oh, uh, Allo Clark. Love that guy. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's get that up I on, feel like it's a good question. on screen. Uh, so Allo's uh, asking, so, uh, if you pull a card... Go ahead, Paul. No, yeah, after you. You started. Go for it, Dan. <laughs> uh, so Allo's asking, if you pull a card, does it magically reappear in the deck, or is it gone forever? Well, the deck itself is not a magic weird. item. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but maybe yeah, in your that, world that, it is, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, there's only one copy of the card, so I guess no. In in practical terms, hello, no, because <laughs> that's the only <laughs> copy you get. Really. download the free uh, encounter that we offer, get access to the Mage Forge device. And unforge that item and put it back in the deck if you want. <laughs> Which you should probably go do because it's a free encounter. That's uh... I'm gonna take this uh, this lull to talk about. There's also a number of items in the deck that have uh, a vary for a varies for rarity, so that you know, oh, like if a normal plus one longsword is an uncommon and a plus two is a rare, there are some things that exist across multiple rarities on the one card so like if you as a dm you know you pull it out oh well this is here you can select which which rarity you want it to actually be and should you so desire maybe in your world that item can power up if you went with a lesser rarity or maybe it's just a static item of like nope it's just this and it is what it is i guess it was last week I guess it was last week that we were talking about diegetics a lot. I suppose the the DM can make a decision about whether the Mage Forge deck itself is a thing in their world or not. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I suppose you can go either way with that, which would be which would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've had I've had you know games where, or at least heard stories where where DMs have taken you know the the deck of many things and like, all right, I'm going to pull out the cards that I don't think are fitting for the story that I'm playing or the style of game that I want to run. So they, they pare it down to what they're looking for. So like you can do the same kind of scenario of, well, I'm going to tailor make my deck of the, of the mage forge and hand that out as a magic item. And, you know, just like the cards that, you know, disappear. Okay. Well, you pull it out, the thing appears in front of you and you've got it. And maybe you have to wait X amount of time before you can pull another card. You know, maybe you need to do something to reenact or magic the deck so that you can be able to pull another card. And that could be the, the, you know, the concept of a quest in and of itself or the backdrop for the main quest of like, well, while we're waiting for the story part to reload, let's go off and side quest, you know, the deck. Neat. Neat. I could imagine a DM like swapping it out, making their players think they they'd run into a deck of many things, a classic oh, yeah. magic item, and then swap swap out Mage Forge, and you got this instead with kind of the same mechanics around it. That might be fun. That would be great because they would actually have like a whole deck of really beneficial things without drawbacks, but they'd probably be like, "Oh, we shouldn't draw from that." Like it's you know, exactly. it could be bad. it's like the whole time you're thinking like it's all just good magic items. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I, I have not found a group where everyone is going to be, you know, the, the paranoid type that refuses to pull a card. There's always somebody like Dave who's like, "No, nah, I'm pulling a card." Oh yeah, he got to. Come on. <laughs> See a deck of cards in a D and D game, you pull one. I will uh, say, I'm Dan. Paranoid player. I will say, Dan. Even <laughs> though you love books. 
doing this kind of stuff is a lot harder to do with something in a book than when you have the physical asset of it at the table. You can come up, you can, you know, maybe, that. you know, and I, honestly, like some of the stuff isn't stuff we really put up, had thought about before, but yeah, why not? You could totally, you know, change up how the, you know, how the items work and how the, the item is actually operated in your game to, you know, do some fun and random stuff. As soon as yeah, you I tell mean, me about the extra it, book addendum, I feel I feel pretty free to free to free to go in that direction. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, we're gonna say, Doug. I was gonna say at the end of the day, I mean, the games we play are are largely subjective to you know your you, who how you like to play the characters, what the choices they made, like mechanically and narratively. So, yeah, I mean, you know, feel free to change this stuff up however you like people that, you know, with your with your Mage Forge magic items change stuff or just, you know, take abilities away, slap it on other things. Like Paul said, change what it looks like. Make it, you know, ring into a hat or whatever. Um, it does, you know, it's just, it's, they're all just, our main goal, whether we're DMing or playing is just to get a group of people to engage with each other and like, you know, create these awesome situations together. So hopefully that that's, you know, what is behind our thinking and all, all the magic items we make and all the content we make really. You know, we like to make you know, sure that's a pretty that good state. we're having fun and we like to inspire, whether it be the player or the DM with our ideas. That's awesome. Awesome. And it's a pretty good segue because one question I wanted to get into is viewers of our show, we, we very much straddle all the editions. So from week to week, we talk about first edition or even before that, original D&D, we talk about a lot, OSR type stuff. How useful would Mageforge be to be D for DMs of other editions? Could you, could you take this and... Uh, easily convert a particular card to original D&D or BX, or is it you're just locked into 5th edition and, and it can't be used for anything else? I would say it would be as hard or as easy as any magic item that's been created by Wizards of the Coast, so I mean, I, I haven't really I haven't really done a lot of converting. Like, I've, I've converted 3rd edition stuff to 5e and just run it as is, just knowing like monsters and encounters would be harder, just because the numbers are different, um, you know. But I haven't done it with like items per se. Yeah, I would say if I, you're, I'll say... oh, go ahead. Tim. Oh, if, oh, yeah, if you're like, for... <laughs> <laughs> if you're like a competent, you know, at, like tweaking things in whatever edition that you like. You probably could. I mean, 4E would probably be, you know, more difficult just because it was a much different sort of system. And, like, you know, 1E probably would want to tone down, like, the extra damage that a sword might do because you just don't have that many hip, as many hit points. But, I mean, if, if you're reasonably competent and get the gist of what, you know, you want out of the item, I don't think it'd be too hard. So, go ahead, Ted. We're, we're not too worried about 4th edition. We don't talk about that very much. But, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, my that's favorite. Good, that's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I would say if you're familiar with 5th edition and you're familiar with the edition that you're playing, it should be easy enough to, to convert. As Dave says, it would not be any harder to convert anything that Wizards makes. Um, now, I would look at almost like Considering how much crunch went into third edition, it's probably a less powerful item in third edition than its rarity would imply. But you could just straight up add it to uh, to, to that particular you know, game without without any real worry. You would just not worry about the thing that says requires attunement, and you would have to look yeah. at what the slot is and and make sure that you know. Oh well, I'm not. I can't wear two cloaks. Or I can't wear two sets of boots. Um, but looking at it from that aspect, I think it would be just fine. It's been so long since I've played second, I'd have to really look and see how it how it goes to, to get into there. Um, you know, but is it, going back to that original point of if you're familiar with second and you're playing it regularly and you're familiar with fifth, I think you could make it work without, you know, with a little bit of effort. I would say the visual aspect of the cards transcends all editions. And yes. could we say could we say four uh, E is the Bruno of D and D? I don't know what that means. 
that has a whole bunch of layers to it. <laughs> and if you don't have kids that you are young, you're not younger, you probably won't get the reference. So. <laughs> Doug, I think we, we have are, some we are. viewers who are who are shocked by your fifth edition admission. So, so we really appreciate the. Uh, the, uh, the 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 public re revelation that I guess I guess people don't know didn't know about until today. So thank you for that. Hey, look, coming out of coming out of three point five, I felt like it was a, a simpler mechanical system that handled things very well, and I felt and my friends felt like more free playing it. Like it just felt faster, and I, I liked the gamey like I liked that it had the gamey language. Um, because I don't know, I, it appealed to the both sides of my brain. It was like, yeah, you know, I could be all creative, but there's also this just like really simple, quick, streamlined, fast moving, uh, you know, like logical thing that was all uh, sort of relative to each other. That's great. And how dare Wait. you, sir? And I'm so glad you were here today. <laughs> we are uh, running up on the end of the hour here, uh, so I just I just wanted to uh, quickly ask uh, ask our friends from Nerdarchy here if there's is there anything about uh, uh, about the product or uh, about about Mage Forge or the Kickstarter anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to make sure we got out there before uh, before we run out of time. Um, I think our whole goal was just to keep it simple and streamlined. You know, we just did so much you know, bells and whistles with out of the box, and it was just like a nice palate cleanser to celebrate our love of magic items that we hope inspire players and GMs to just have cooler, more fun gaming moments together. And um, we are going to be doing a live stream on Thursday, February 3rd from 8 to 9, Dave. Like, so like that last hour that it's open just to yep. just to hang out and, and watch it wind down. So we hope people come and join us over at NerdAggy Live. I'll uh, I'll kind of reiterate. So it's 250 tarot sized item cards with the full full size art on the one side, all of the item stat block on the other, you know, with some extra addendum information in the printed lore book within the box that itself. As Dave kind of mentioned, the items are color coded by rarity it's like oh well, i want to pull out a common magic item well i can go to this particular color that's going to tell me that it's common and just strip out all the commons from the deck and be like okay boom let me find the one that i want to you know give to my players for this kind of thing so it makes it a lot a lot easier whether you're looking at the gem at the bottom or the the color bar at the top where the where the name is you know th those things are all paired up and easy to make sifting through the deck that much easier I would just say go take 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 a look at the page because my favorite part is the gifts. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, viewers, if you have uh, if you want to check out the um, uh, the Kickstarter for Mage Forge, uh, there's a link to it right now in the chat. Uh, or if you're coming and watching this uh, video after the fact, uh, I'm sure that there's a link to it in the description of the uh, video itself here on YouTube uh, as well. Um, and uh, yeah, Lee, uh, while you're there, uh, leave us some comments. Tell us about your favorite magic item. Tell us uh, what, uh, um, what 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 are if you've used the product. Uh, if this is a, if I'm talking to you people in the future where it's already out and uh, in your in your grubby hands, uh, tell us your favorite item and how you used it. <laughs> Definitely. And remember, if you're new to our show, that you can like, follow, and subscribe to us, The Wandering DMs. We're on YouTube and Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and also GitHub, if you're a coder. Um, and we do have the handle Wandering DMs on all of the sites. So look for us there, and you'll be notified about upcoming episodes. And if you're not subscribed to Nerdarchy on YouTube, what's wrong with you? We also have a link to their site on the YouTube description. So go, go subscribe to Nerdarchy while you're there, too. Absolutely. Hey, thanks, Ian, uh, for having us you... on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, viewers, if you prefer to listen to this show in audio-only podcast format, you can do that. Uh, there are podcasts of our show are available on our website at wanderingdams.com and through various uh, third-party carriers such as Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes. If you're listening to us on one of those sites, please take a minute to rate and review us there. Uh, that helps other listeners on that site find us, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, we really do. Uh, as usual, big thanks to our patrons who support the Wandering DMs show. If you would like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash wandering DMs. 
You'll see a couple different tiers there, benefits like access to a private Discord server, monthly behind the scenes videos, polls and surveys. And also our standard after party chat will be on Discord in about 10 minutes and talk live, continue the discussion with our viewers. Uh, you're gonna be there today, Paul? Yep, I'll be there. Awesome. Awesome, great. Um, so big, big thanks to uh, Dave and Ted and Doug from Nerdarchy. We're so glad you joined us here today. Don't forget that we are live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, please join us next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then. Bye, everyone.